The Exalted Abyssals campaign we discussed this episode is live November 14th through December 14th on Indiegogo. We accidentally said Kickstarter a few times in this app, but it's definitely Indiegogo, so just check the link in the show notes. Right. This is Dark Days Radio. I'm one of your hosts, Mike, and tonight I'm joined by Chig. How's it going, Chig? Pretty good, Mike. How's things up there in the uh, frozen north? Uh, it was really chilly today. Uh, I was uh, out doing an inspection. My hands are kind of freezing, but uh, I made it through. And speaking of the chilly north, we have a, a, a fellow Northman here with us today. We have Chaz Kellner, all-star podcaster and writer, here to talk to us about some very cool stuff. How's it going, Chaz? I'm doing well, thanks. I, uh, I always find it kind of funny when people talk about Massachusetts being cold. As, uh, being, being from Vermont, moving, moving to Massachusetts uh, uh, makes me wonder where the winter went. Oh, man. You're a Vermonter? I didn't even know that. That's exciting. Oh, gosh. We'll have to, we'll have to talk about that when we uh, go over your street cred a little bit. <laughs> exciting. Yeah, actually, uh, Chaz, I just saw the, uh, the Frozen play in, uh, in Boston, like the Disney Frozen movie. And uh, it okay. kind of made me sad because I, I kind of miss the winter. We don't really have it anymore. Yeah, I I moved back to Mass to, to the U.S. and to Massachusetts in in uh, 2015 when we had that pretty epic snow oh, winter. Yeah. Yep. Um, and it has it has not come close to that since. <laughs> and Chig, how do you feel about snow? Here in Texas, we don't trust snow, so I believe it. All right, so t- this episode today, we're going to be talking about uh, Exalted Abyssals, which has an upcoming Kickstarter, which uh, Chaz will be getting into later. But before we get to the main part of the episode, let's have uh, a few few updates. Let's start off with a game update. Chaz, what have you been doing lately for gaming? Well, uh, a lot of my gaming time got eaten up by having a baby, uh, but I have been easing back into it. Um so the, the game that I've been playing the most of recently is uh, Root the RPG, um, oh, which is a powered by the Apocalypse game of, um, it's described as cute woodland creatures meets Game of Thrones, uh, which is a great description. You play a, a group of vagabonds traveling the wilderness and kind of stuck between um, the, the factions that are vying for control of the woodland. Yeah, that's really exciting. Uh, that's from magpie games is that correct yes it is awesome awesome yeah that's really cool it's good to hear and uh chig what have you been playing lately we just wrapped up a marvel superheroes game and uh my group is starting uh character creation on the old gods of appalachia role-playing game next Ooh, ooh, that's that's gonna be pretty spicy you're gonna have to come back on the show and talk about that a little bit um it's the cipher system, so uh, it already has at least two strikes against it in my book, but <laughs> I'm willing to give it a chance because I like the source material. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Yeah, well, we'll definitely talk about it at some point in the future. Yeah, that'll be pretty cool. And uh, with that gaming update, let's move on to uh, gaming news a little bit. All right, so there's been a lot uh, going on for uh, gaming news, and I think the uh, number one first thing we want to talk about is the uh, either upcoming or uh, already ongoing uh, Exalted Abyssals Kickstarter, depending on when this goes out. So, Chaz, do you want to mention a, a few highlights about that and also maybe include the uh, date when it goes live? I can't give you the exact date. I, I know as of right now we are targeting the week of uh, November 13th, um, but that is pending all the, the final approval gates that it needs to move through. Uh, but, yeah, we have... Uh, the Abyssals uh, Kickstarter for Exalted Third Edition um, coming very soon, and and we'll we'll talk a whole bunch about that. It, it is the sixth big book for Exalted Third Edition, uh, and an, an update to uh, one of my my favorites from from the past of Exalted. 
yeah, it's definitely uh, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be really exciting. Uh, we'll get more into the uh, the abyssals later. I think this I think is a big deal because we haven't had an abyssal or sorry an exalted Kickstarter in uh, quite some time, have we? It's been like uh, it's been a year or two, right? It, we actually had the last one uh, last year around this time. We had the uh, campaign for Sidereals. And last mm-hmm. year was a good year for Exalted because we had both the Exigence and Sidereals Kickstarter campaigns um, in 2022. So it has been about a year, uh, but I, I feel like we're we're getting a, a good cadence uh, back into the Exalted development pipeline. So, Also, uh, in gaming news, Onyx Path has been putting out a lot of stuff for their cool new uh, setting, The World Below. Um, it's a pretty neat one. It's uh, in some ways similar i feel to earth dawn except what if everyone was just still stuck underground and the uh the terrors of the the deep terrors of the uh evil magical world were still kind of getting at them through the uh the dark tunnels of that uh underworld of caverns so it's pretty neat fantasy setting and pretty excited to see more stuff come out for that and then finally for really big news this one came out of left field didn't see it coming teenage mutant ninja turtles the rpg is back chig what do you think about that uh, I'm in because I have to complete my collection of After the Bomb books. So, yeah, the Kickstarter is currently ongoing. Um, I will almost assuredly never play this game, but <laughs> because I'm a completionist, I have to own it. So, yeah, it's uh, the Kickstarter is for a a slight revision to the book that came out in 1984, I think. Um, really, no no major mechanical changes. They have to remove some of questionable content but yeah it's still using the exact same system that every palladium book has used since palladium published a book no no changes no notes there's no there's no trash can in that editorial office so if you've ever played palladium and you like ninja turtles check it out why would you improve on perfection it was good enough for uh Everybody in 1982, then it's good enough for you in 2023. <laughs> that is uh, that is the logic. And with that, uh, let's move on over to our main segment, which is on. But you know what? Before we uh, get on to talking to uh, talking about the abyssals, let's talk to uh, Chaz a little bit, right? Yeah, we uh, we like to uh, establish nerd cred around here, so we got to check your card, Chaz. Nothing personal. <laughs> How did you get started with gaming? So I got started uh, when I was about ten years old. Um, I uh, my dad owns a, a company, and and I used to do like odd jobs uh, for extra money in the summer at at his uh, company, uh, and. One of the guys who worked in the warehouse uh, uh, was a role-playing guy, and so he he uh, told me about his D and D campaign and about his uh, West End Star Wars um, game, and that was that was how I originally got introduced to RPGs. I ended up with the West End Star Wars Second Edition book as my first RPG book because I was already a big Star Wars nerd. And kind of consumed that and never got to play it because I was a a 10-year-old and did not have any other people around me of that age or persuasion um, for RPGs. But became an avid collector of RPG books even very early on. Um, My brothers were both younger than me and did not have the attention span at that age to to learn uh, RPG rules or roll dice or, or make a character sheet. And so I kind of introduced them to freeform role-playing. Uh, so so that freeform narrative role-playing was kind of the only way that I did role-playing for like the first three or four years of uh, being a role-player. And then I, I slowly got a handful of games of like D&D 3rd Edition when that came out when I was in, in high school, uh, but didn't really get to take off with, with uh, active role-playing until I was towards the end of high school and... Uh, joined the Vampire LARP community uh, up in Burlington and uh, discovered uh, World of Darkness games. Um, Changeling the Dreaming was a favorite of mine at the time um, and, and actually Exalted, uh, which mm. I had kind of been running on and off ever since then. Ooh, wow. Valid start. If you're 10 years old and you have younger siblings, 
any you can you can definitely teach them how to play the West End games, Star Wars game. That's super simple, right? A six year old can pick that up just instinctively, right? <laughs> yeah, no, I didn't didn't try with the the Star Wars thing. They were not as into Star Wars as I was. Uh I went for a, a more generic fantasy. And I also had no idea what I was doing um, because I didn't have anyone teaching me. I was trying to, to figure all of it out from the book. So uh, I know it's one of those truisms in in the RPG community that you kind of need someone to introduce you to how playing works. Um, and, and I'm one of those people who didn't have that introduction. We are all six degrees away from Gary Gygax. <laughs> so... That's a great, that's, like I said, that's a great start. What are you up to these days? These days, most of my focus is on writing and developing for Exalted. Um, I am a podcaster at large in that I have been involved in a whole bunch of shows um, over time. I think most notably, uh, Exalted fans will know me from either the Fall of Giara on the Story Told podcast or from the Systematic Understanding of Everything, which is the Exalted Explainer podcast. Um those are my, my two big shows, but then uh, I, I have two two other shows that I was involved in, um, Opcast, which is the Trinity Continuum um, podcast. Uh, I, I helped get that off the ground, um, and uh, that is still running. Uh, I am now just a listener for that show, and I'm pleased to see that, that continuing, as well as uh, Pain in the Dice, which is the periodic show that terry and i release when we want to sit down and talk about something in gaming um big, go ahead go say i'm a big fan of pain in the dice and i enjoyed systematic understanding of everything although at the mm. end of it i do not feel i understood everything so <laughs> i'm gonna need to ask for my subscription feedback it was free okay so thank you you will refund 100 percent of the money that you spent on that show that's all i ask i appreciate it yeah, I gotta say, uh, Chaz, after playing uh, Exalted 3rd Edition with you a couple years back, I binged Systematic Understanding of Everything. It was uh, it was a good time, definitely. Nice. We, we, we wanted to make a show that was bingeable, that that had an end point, because I, I don't think any of us were ready to jump into the actual Explain Everything in Exalted show, um, because we all had other projects we were doing at the time. So we laid out a list of topics that we wanted to cover, and over the course of the show, we doubled it. <laughs> um, but it still kind of fell into a neat 30-plus episode arc of covering the high points for Exalted, um, with us oca- occasionally coming back to, to talk about stuff. So if you want, if you really need more Exalted content, do, do stay subscribed to the Systematic Understanding of Everything. I am also about to ramp up recording a new Exalted AP. Uh, this was supposed to happen like a year and a half ago, and when one of the players got very, very sick for an extended period, um, and then I was having a baby, so that got put on on hold um, until now. And we actually have our, our first recording on, on the calendar. Knock on wood for that, because um, we've had that a few times now. Um but like I said, more of my time is taken up by writing. Um, I'm a, a writer and developer for the Onyx Path, mainly for Exalted, but I've written for uh, Chronicles of Darkness and Trinity as well. And I mentioned Root earlier. I, I have actually done some writing for, for Magpie on Root uh, too. But Exalted is my passion uh, in terms of game writing. And, and with the and with the limited time that I have available these days, that, that does take up most of it. Yeah, that's that's really epic and good to hear. Uh, I'm just kind of curious, Chaz, is this new Exalted actual play going to be using the uh, Exalted 3rd Edition rules, or do you think it's going to be using the Exalted Essence rules? Uh, it is going to be Exalted 3rd Edition. All right. Very cool. Very cool. So we're getting the full mechanics with that one. All right. So listeners of Darker Days that have been around for a long time know that we have never done an Exalted episode. We've mentioned it, we've teased about it, but we've never actually done an episode which explained what Exalted is and really got into the setting. So I felt like uh, before talking about Exalted Abyssals, uh, we should kind of dig in and give just a, a real broad but also a little bit dense overview of what the Exalted setting is. 
So Exalted was uh, White Wolf's epic non-Western fantasy role-playing game originally released in 2001. Uh, when it first came out, it was really compared to being an anime role-playing game, but as the additions and time progressed, um, it became more focused on being non-Western, the art styles changed a little bit, and uh, uh, it has kind of become a very interesting and really eclectic game today. It was continuously published uh, since 2001, and uh, currently now it's in its third edition, but also has the new Rules Light Exalted Essence version uh, that just came out recently. Exalted takes place in Creation, which is essentially this flat world anchored by five elements, air, earth, fire, water, and wood. We look at the map of Creation, it's very interesting because off in the west, uh, for the uh, celestial compass direction, it's uh, close to that kind of node of water. So there's only a few islands and these uh, giant expansive seas. However, in the east, it's more focused on woods. There's trees. In the middle, that's where the uh, earth node is, and there's a grand spire on this uh, single island. So it's a very interesting and uh, unique take on world building. Uh, creation was originally controlled by these primordials, uh, these kind of ancient titans who grew delinquent playing their games of divinity. Uh, the primordials were overthrown by the gods and their uh, superpower-infused mortal followers, known as the Exalted. Exalted centers on the uh, solar exalts who ran creation for the gods after, uh, until, of course, they were overthrown themselves by the lesser dragon-blooded. The solar exalts uh, and their souls were trapped in a jade prison for centuries as creation fell into shambles, until they were mysteriously set free. The mystery of the solar exalted is further compounded when some souls return, empowered not by the eternal sun, but twisted by dark entities. So in Exalted, characters are these powerful beings, essentially demigods, uh, with the freedom to drastically impact the world at large. Uh, will they serve the status quo or fight to restore creation to its past glory from times before? Uh, will characters retreat from society to found their own little independent realms that they can control, or are they going to try to conquer what was theirs centuries ago? Will the Exalted seek out the gods? who are now addicted to the game's divinity, like the primordials before them, or they forsake these gods uh, who originally gave them power. So it's a cool setting. You know, there's a lot going on with it, and much like the World of Darkness games, uh, which were sort of related to Exalted, but kind of not, it's it's very, very deep in its lore and its its creation of not just not just setting, uh, and, and world building, but also kind of the metaphysics of everything that's going on, which is, I know, something that people love about the, uh, the World of Darkness and the Chronicles of Darkness games. Chig, uh, you've, you've experienced Exalted a little bit uh, back in the day. Uh, what really uh, drew you to it or made you excited about the setting? Um, when it was being teased and announced, it was uh, advertised as the prehistory of the world of darkness and that was dropped fairly quickly because they didn't want to tie everything together it was just a lot of effort and it would you know it would tie their hands i get it mm -hmm. um but i was really excited about that you know because i'm a i was a big lore nerd and i always have been so i was really looking forward to seeing you know what happened to all the other vampire lords what happened to all the you know, how did these guys turn into mages eventually? But, you know, they kind of dropped all that. So still, it's a really cool setting. Yeah, it is. It is interesting for some of those links. Um, I think we talked about this when we were discussing Kindred of the East, but a lot of the uh, ideas for how kind of, I don't remember the exact term for it, dragon lines, I believe, how that metaphysics works was actually directly ported into Exalted later. And we'll talk about this with the uh, the Abyssals, but a lot of ideas were cribbed from... Uh, from Wraith the Oblivion, at least for the first edition of uh, Abyssals itself. Chaz, you know, you've obviously dedicated so much time to this uh, uh, setting. Is there anything in general that you'd like to share about it that really gets your creative juices flowing or really just excites you about it? Yeah, the thing that gets me really excited to play and run Exalted is that one of the central questions that, that you kind of ha answer with your character is, what are you going to do with the, the power that you have? Um, 
as one of the exalted, these uh, demigod-like heroes, um, you have the power to change the world around you. And I think this was one of the things that made it really a, when I was getting into it at the beginning, a step away from the world of darkness is that uh, you could be the big movers and shakers very early in, in the course of a game. Um, and that was really cool. And so as uh, as my storytelling around the game has evolved, uh, I really try to give player characters a lot of that that drive to let them change um, the the world and the setting that they're in. and And that's a big part of what the game wants you to be doing is to say, you've got all this power. What are you going to do with it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that's also a good point because unlike the World of Darkness, your your power level is so much higher. So you need to, uh, if you're running it from that World of Darkness, Chronicles of Darkness background, really adjust your expectations and, and kind of explain the expectations to the players. Um, I do remember running an Exalted game for second edition where in the players felt like they were still supposed to be very weak. But as it turns out, they were actually in, in that the big mystery of, of my chronicle is that they were the only solar exalted in the entire setting and it was why that occurred why were they the only ones there at that point um so they really were basically the most powerful people around that could actively influence creation so that's pretty cool uh, yeah 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 it was a i i wish it got further uh but you know things didn't work out but uh i i think that's something to really highlight is that these characters and the mechanics really support this in all of the editions when you when you bring in like mass combat and other things they can have incredible influence on uh, not just a city but an entire region very very quickly um and that changes things for when you're creating your npcs you probably want to be fleshing out ones that are of a uh, more substantial power level or or substantial status in the region or area um and you can still focus on on little people as well. That's that's totally fine. You can have like a, a street urchin uh, that befriends one of the uh, one of the exalts, and you know have those kind of touchstones as well. But I think uh, you know the power level is something to just keep in mind with these games. Part of the kind of spring springing off of that part of the ethos around exalted is also um, examining. Um, like where does power come from and, and kind of deconstructing the idea of, of power by nobility um, because the exalted can come from anywhere. Anyone could be chosen by one of the gods. Um, so it, it is very typical to have exalted heroes from kind of unexpected corners of, of society. And because they are people before they're exalted, having, having those ties uh, to those communities and, and groups and, and pushing back against established power. I mean, you kind of mentioned it in the big introduction to creation. There's been like four cycles of the people in charge were doing a bad job, and so they got overthrown. Um, and that is that is very much something that the game encourages in the way that the setting is presented. All right, Chaz. So uh, let's uh, let's set the stage a little bit further. So we've talked about the solar exalted, the ones that are empowered by the sun, the chosen of the sun. But uh, what about the Abyssal Exalts that the Kickstarter is about? What can you share about them? Earlier in the show, you mentioned that as the Solar Exalted were returning to creation, uh, there were also uh, Exalted somewhat like them, twisted by darker powers. And the Abyssals are one of those groups. The, the I guess we'll jump back into some more deep lore for Exalted, because you kind of have to with Abyssals. Um I guess before we do that, Abyssals are like the uh, goth versions of the the solar hero. They are the um, goth anti-heroes to to that. And uh, that was what uh, in my in my gothy high school years drew me to the Abyssals in particular. Um, but what has happened is that uh, the Death Lords, these thirteen immortal ghost kings uh, who are um, the empowered ghosts of, of long dead exalted were able to find the Jade prison where the, the sparks of solar exaltation were locked uh, and they planned to break it open and, and steal all of the souls out of it to create their own exalted champions. Uh, but they, they kind of messed up and only got about half of the souls. 
So they took those uh, solar exalted souls and inverted them with the power of the underworld uh, to create the abyssal exalted. So instead of the lawgivers of, of and rulers of creation that the solars are are meant to be, uh, you have death's lawgivers, uh, the death knights, um, the abyssal exalted, who are champions of the underworld and sworn to destroy creation. So you've kind of kind of set it up already, but how how exactly do they differ from the solar or the dragon blooded? How how, so, how how do the stories that you tell? Sure. So, uh, as an abyssal, a, a death knight, part of that comes with a, a tie to the death lord who offered you exaltation. And for abyssals, uh, exaltation comes at the moment of death. Someone is faced with impossible odds, and that leads to their death. And the death lord shows up and says, hey, world, the world has treated you unfairly. I can offer you power in exchange for promising to serve me and promising to destroy the world. And those who accept that deal uh, get the spark of abyssal exaltation, which pulls them back uh, from that moment of death. So they have died but not fully passed through and empowers them to survive whatever situation they've, they've uh, found themselves in that led to their death in the first place. And then they are sworn in, in service to the Death Lords, who are these ancient ghost kings, and the Neverborn, who, who empowered the Death Lords themselves, who are the uh, dead souls of the primordials uh, destroyed in the, the revolution of the gods at the, the beginning of the game Deep Lore. Um, and so that, that places you in a very different position narratively um, from the Solar Exalted or the Dragon-Blooded. Because the Solar Exalted are returning to a creation where they are alone. Um, they don't have any support network or society. All they have are the, the other Exalted who, are, who, who they find um, and band together for survival. The Dragon-Blooded are, are part of this giant empire that, that rules the center of the world and, and uh, a lot of the areas around it. Um, and they have their ties to, to both the Empire and their, their kind of complex noble families. For an Abyssal, you are instead a singularly powerful servant of an immortal Ghost Lord. And uh, that places you in a very different different kind of position where the Death Lords are courting your service, uh, keeping you on a loose leash, uh, sending you to... to pursue their schemes, uh, but also giving you the freedom to pr pursue uh, the death of creation in your own way. Now, mm. that said, uh, you, you do not have to be locked into that Death Lord service. Um, we have the idea of a Death Knight Errant, uh, an Abyssal who has um, refused to serve their Death Lord and, and cut themselves off and, and gone to do their own thing. Um, you also don't have to, to work to destroy the world. Um, because while they are all sworn to do so, um, the way they do that is different, especially in 3rd edition. Um, so the, the play space is not just you are villains trying to destroy the world, but, but really a, a chance for you to be anti-heroes, whether that means you are conquering a kingdom for your, for your own rulership and, and uh, just taking advantage of all that power you bargained for, or if it means you are trying to rebuild the underworld in your own image, that's up for you to decide. Yeah, uh, I actually read a uh, Exalted novel a couple of summers back, and um, I do remember it, it featured several uh, several abyssals, and one that really stood out. Um, I don't remember his full title, but he was usually just referred to as Disciple. Um, and he was pretty interesting because he was still in service to the Death Lord, but was doing his best to to kind of limit the damage he did. In, in particular, when dealing with his his former lover, who had been uh, uh, the Solar Exalt that became, or the Solar Exalted Soul that became Harmonious Jade. Yeah, we're just hitting you with lots of deep lore here, but um, I think that was really a, a very interesting foil to both the uh, the Solars and the more uh, mustache twirling abyssals that were featured in that uh, in that novel as well. So there's a lot you can do with the abyssals. I think that's uh, that's pretty rad. We're probably kind of doing things a little out of order with our uh, our questions here, but I'm I'm a little curious, Chaz, about what support and discussion 
Abyssal 3rd Edition has to uh, Circles of Abyssals that come from different uh, different death lords. So there's a couple of ways that, that we address that. Um, first, there was a real focus on making sure that each of the death lords was able to give their Abyssals enough room uh, to act freely in a game sense. Some of the Death Lords in the past had like a very myopic focus on like a particular story, and the uh, uh, and so it didn't make a lot of sense to to serve them because they weren't out and doing things that your characters might care about. So part of the shift of focus is that the Death Lords are very tied into the politics of the underworld. Uh, in particular, you mentioned ties to Wraith. There is a Stygia in Exalted as well. Uh, which is the the eternal city in the center of the underworld, and the, many of the death lords are are interested in uh, ruling over Stygia, uh, and all have representatives in the um, group of of ghosts who rule it, and so you can have a game set centered in Stygia where all of the death lords are going to have agents, and so it makes sense to have uh, abyssals in service to different death lords working there. There's also just room for the Death Lords to have various schemes going on that would let your your abyssals serve um, where they the Death Lords have made some kind of pact to work together, uh, and and you can create a mixed circle that way. So there's I, I think one of the things that is true of of Exalted Third Edition is there's not a lot of space in the way the books are written for uh, storyteller sections um, either. But that is something we'd definitely like to explore more uh, in the companion book to the Kickstarter as we uh, um, as we expand the content out there for Abyssals. So right. you heard it here first, everybody. Back so that they get extra books. <laughs> yes, please do. Make Chaz write more. I, I would like that. <laughs> awesome, awesome. That'd be great. All right, so let's um, let's talk a little bit more about this uh this third edition book uh that's going to be going on kickstarter soon so uh chaz let's talk about the abyssal charms um you know charms are the kind of core cool powers of exalted and i i got some commentary on on first edition and second edition charms but uh, i'd like to hear straight up what's going on with the uh, the third edition ones for abyssals so yeah charms are really the core of uh the power of of exalted from a mechanical sense um for the Abyssals, uh, these charms are very similar to the charms of the Solar Exalted in that they are centered around the, the 25 abilities uh, in the game. So you'll have charms for melee and for bureaucracy and for survival and for archery um, and, and all the others. And so you get a, a series of um, magical powers almost, that, but they're more feats of excellence that the Exalted can channel their, their magic into to do the awesome superpowered things that they do. For Abyssals, uh, as the Dark Reflections of the Solars, their, their charms have also always reflected um, what the Solar Charms do. But for 3rd Edition, we wanted to take this in a little bit of a different direction. So they, they definitely echo that, but as the... Uh, power level of the charms increases we've added in the themes of the death lords to the charms so the death lords again these immortal ghost kings have have influenced the the essence of their abyssals and so um you might have the eye and seven despairs who's this death lord that is a a mad crafter and necromancer and he inspires craft charms uh, about kind of being a a uh, dangerous arms merchant who 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 is selling um, goods uh, to those who who can ill afford to use them, or there's a whole series of resistance charms inspired by the first and forsaken lion who is trapped in a, a suit of of immortal armor, and these charms are about manifesting armor and and summoning chains out of your armor and eventually like manifesting a cask a fanged casket out of your armor that will, will bite somebody so they get they get weird and ghosty mm. at the the higher power levels which really makes the abyssal charms in this edition stand out from how they were presented in in the past indeed indeed i don't want to uh, i don't want to start an edition more or anything but uh yeah it, uh in previous editions 
as Chaz is kind of alluding to, the abyssal charms uh, were kind of just the the solar ones with some uh, some black eyeliner put on, pretty much. Um, kind of just an inversion, typically. Um, so it's really great to hear that uh, there's so much experimentation going on and and creating these much more unique, ghosty or uh, just kind of spicy uh, charms here. Yeah, I, I mean, I, th- I think I think all of the writers in the charm section gave us really juicy, interesting things. Um, I, I can give you some examples if you'd like. Yeah, that'd like be great. Maybe, maybe, okay. maybe just the top three or something would go awesome. Sure. So uh, one of the ones that that I was excited to see was Red-Winged Riton Murmuration. Uh, This is a thrown weapon charm that uh, animates the spattered blood of the Abyssal's victim into carrion birds that that circle the Abyssal um, and and fly out as the Abyssal throws more weapons uh, to attack the Abyssal's foes. Uh, So that one's pretty cool. Numinous Shadow Beast is a survival charm that uh, transforms the Abyssal's familiar into a, a shadowy monstrosity. Uh, so if you are a, a, a player who likes having a pet, uh, you can turn your pet into a terrible nightmare monster. Um, that one's also pretty fun. And uh, one that I, I, I'm going to pat myself on the back for writing here, uh, Coveted Prize Craftwork lets an Abyssal crafter um, instill obsession and paranoia into an object that she has created. So whoever possesses it um, becomes obsessed with keeping it safe and and paranoid that that others are Ooh. trying to steal it from her. Ooh, ooh, I like that a lot. That That's a lot cool. of fun. <laughs> ooh. That sounds like a real fun and, way to just destroy a town. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And usually uh, in Exalted, of course, you can kind of chain uh, charms together. Um, so you could do a lot with that one. That could be pretty fun. Yeah, and, and that is actually part of a whole series of craft charms that, that let you do slightly different things and instill slightly different um, influences into the, the things that you are creating, um, whether that is uh, a piece of art that, that inspires uh, an obsession with death um, or, or this, this one that I talked about being... Um, inspiring or creating this paranoia uh there's another one that draws other people to try to steal it from you um there's another one that where you can put a curse on your craft work um and they're designed so that you can kind of layer them together and and create some really nasty things to uh uh, tear down a kingdom uh just by making a thing and leaving it there (laughs) love it that's awesome um another one i know you said three but I'm, i'm gonna go to four um, is Temple Shattering Ruination Curse, uh, where with an act of might, the Abyssal tears down a, a structure uh, and then curses the land that it has fallen upon, creating a, a temporary Shadowland. Um, Shadowlands are rifts between creation and the underworld, uh, which is an extremely dangerous thing, since then ghosts can come out and, and the armies of the Death Lords could march forth, for example. Um, but a lot of a lot of really interesting and unique things that Abyssals can do with their charms across every ability. Um, Like Solar Exalted, uh, Abyssals get to pick one ability where they ignore um, the prerequisites, like the power stat prerequisites for getting those charms. Uh, So if you want to be, if you want these kind of uh, high-powered, top-tier charms, you can get them right out at character creation. And we wanted to give Juicy, uh, juicy charms for every ability to make sure that someone someone would say, "Ooh, I like that. I'm gonna make that my uh, chosen ability just so I can get that charm." Very mm. nice. So, like like I mentioned earlier, I'm a, a big lore nerd. Um, so I gotta ask: Does the new book continue the the story, the plot line, the meta plot, whatever you want to call it, of Exalted? Um, are characters like Disciple from the book that Mike read? Uh, and Mask of Winter expanded upon it all? I'll say no and yes. Uh, and the first part of no is about continuing the story. Part of the meta plot design of Exalted is is we have what I call day zero meta plot, meaning that there's a whole bunch of history to Exalted, a whole bunch of, of setting information for how we got to where we are when your game begins. 
Um, but Exalted doesn't move forward from that point. So there's not an advancing metaplot in that sense. The metaplot is everything that sets up the setting. So it doesn't continue that story, but it definitely expands on it. So we get to see uh, the Underworld, and the Underworld is very different in Exalted 3rd Edition than in the past. Uh, so we've been saying that's the case since the core book with 3rd Edition, and this is the book where we get to show that off. Uh, we also really expand on what each of the Death Lords is up to. Um, what, 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 where do they rule? Uh, what is their? What are their schemes? Who are their their uh, favored servants? Um, and so we expand. If, you, if you're looking for, I guess, for villains for any other type of exalted game, uh, the Death Lords are and their servants are a great place to to look for that. Um, so it definitely expands on that. In terms of specific characters, um, all of the Death Lords get a, a lot of attention. Um, so you, you mentioned the Mask of Winters in particular. Uh, the Mask of Winters is a kind of the most visible Death Lord in creation. One of the big events that happened um, a couple years before the game start is that the Mask of Winters emerges from, from the underworld and conquers the city, uh, kind of showing the dragon-blooded that the Abyssal Exalted exists, that the Death Lords exist, and that they're uh, here to throw down. Now... Um, the way Abyssals in 3rd edition changes this is that the Mask of Winter's goal is not the immediate conquest of, of the entire world, um, but is to uh, create kind of this conflict where more people are dying and it is sending more souls to his part of the underworld so that he can build up his empire and, and conquer the entire eastern regions uh, of, of the underworld. Um, because he is more interested in doing that than he is in conquering creation at this time. Um, that's kind of a, a new context, a new look at what uh, the Mask of Winters is up to. Um, do either of you have any favorite Death Lords that you want to talk about? Um, yeah, um, I would like to hear more about the lover clad in the Raiment of Tears. Oh, she's a fun one. So we talked about the Mask of Winters wanting to conquer the Underworld, which is really not what his job is supposed to be. The Neverborn said, you all, you destroy the world. And uh, many of the Death Lords are not doing that. The Lover Clad in the Raiment of Tears is one of the Death Lords who is true in her devotion uh, to the Neverborn's dreams to destroy creation. Uh, but she's doing so by slowly breaking the, breaking the spirits uh, one by one uh, of those who, who face her trials. Uh, she rules this domain up in the north where she is slowly spreading sorrow and despair across creation, um, making mortals uh, give in to the futility of life. One of the things that we set up among the Death Lords is this division between those who are following their own interests and, and those who are, are kind of true to the mission of, of the Neverborn. Awesome. Um, how about... Um... The first and forsaken lion. He's the first and forsaken lion is yeah. uh, kind of interesting when we talk about that serving the neverborn versus not serving the neverborn dichotomy, because the first and forsaken lion watched the other death lords kind of get away with uh, pursuing their own schemes, um, and he he uh, took the army that he had built up for the conquest of creation. Um, and instead turned it against the Underworld, uh, because he wanted to bring the Underworld under his united rule. And the Neverborn stirred in their slumber long enough to uh, smack uh, smack them down for that, uh, entombing them in soul-steel armor, and basically dissolving his ghost body into this armor. And they they now are, are stuck uh, in this armor. They can't remove it. it, it in, in fact, they're, they're just are a spirit inhabiting uh, the armor. They built up this uh, giant army. Um, and while they are assiduously following the Neverborn's orders to attack creation, they're, they're doing so in dribs and drabs, very half-heartedly, uh, ordering their generals to pursue these objectives uh, while studying the secrets of the underworld. Um instead of leading their army very cool yeah i like that yeah and each of the the nine death lords who appear in the book get a, a pretty extensive write-up um that includes like i said their their domain their servants uh what their schemes are 
Um, and we did really focus on making sure that each of them would be an interesting Death Lord to serve as Death Knight. Uh, so th this is probably one of the biggest changes from past editions of, of Abyssals, where in the past the Death Lords had almost supernatural control over you as an Abyssal. In this edition, the Death Lords recognize that each Abyssal is a significant investment and could break the bonds of service if they chose, and so needs to be enticing enough uh, and supportive enough with their Abyssals to um, be able to convince them to follow those schemes. Uh, because in Exalted, mm -hmm. where your player characters, the, the question is, what are you doing with all of this power? You you need a reason for them to serve. Just uh, smacking them with a... a uh, a magic do what I say stick is not uh, not as much fun as having this kind of interplay between the Death Lord and their Death Knights to uh, convince them to follow their schemes. I I couldn't couldn't agree more. Um, games where you don't really have a strong motivation beyond well that's the game we're playing are kind of boring in my opinion. So I'm glad that uh, I'm glad that you've gone over that. You've thought of that. You covered it. So thank you. <laughs> um, you also asked about Disciple, uh, and the, the Disciple does not appear in this book. We, we didn't have a lot of room to cover individual Abyssals in a lot of detail. Uh, so each of the Death Lords, I think, has between like three and five Abyssals who get named and, and talk a little bit about how they serve their Death Lord. Uh, the Disciple is not one of them, uh, because as a servant of the Mask of Winters, there are lots of other Abyssals vying for those slots. Um, one of the things we're definitely putting in the companion book is uh, more Abyssal Exalted, and one of the premium backer rewards uh, as part of the campaign is to uh, pick a previously named Abyssal to get a full write-up in that book. So if, if there is one who is your favorite out there from past editions, or who appears in the manuscript in this edition, uh, that you want to get more information about, um, you, you have that option. And, and I know we're excited to uh, to uh, put them all in there. Awesome. That sounds that sounds really cool. So, Chez, um, we've had a lot of other exalts come out. We've got Solars, we got Lunars, we got Dragonblooded. Um, what does Exalted Abyssals bring to the table uh, for rules or lore ideas that you can use in Chronicles for other exalts? From a rules perspective, uh, the biggest new set of mechanics is around necromancy, uh, which is usable by most uh, types of Exalted. Um, necromancy in 3rd edition, as in past editions, works uh, very similarly to sorcery. So characters uh, can initiate as a necromancer, and they have an initiation ritual that kind of describes in what way they perform sorcery. Uh, and then there are uh, uh, sorceress spells or rather necromantic spells and necromantic workings that they can perform in uh, Exalted uh, spells are kind of a lot like high level D&D spells I guess where it is one uh, encapsulated power that, that does one thing whereas a working is the sorcerer or necromancer's ability to say I'm a magic guy I'm going to use my magic to do a thing and have some mechanical framework over over that. Um, and so spells are like something you do as a one-off event. A working is something your character could be working on over the course of months uh, or, or even years in the case of um, the, the grandest workings that really can impress and, and uh, with magic upon the world and, and reshape things. Um, so you can do that in, in necromancy as well as in sorcery. Um, additionally, in this in this version... Many sorcery spells uh, can be reflavored as necromancy spells. So you have a wide range of uh, spells that you can use as a necromancer. You're not just limited to what appears here in Abyssals. Uh, so we've been releasing spells all along for Exalted, and this um, as a necromancer, you can you can pick from that spell list. And then we have added a whole bunch of necromancy spells that are, are either updated from past editions or, or brand new cool ideas um, brought uh, in in for this for this book. Some examples, um, there's Drowning in the Endless Dark, uh, which summons the Sea of Shadows out of the underworld to inundate miles around the necromancer. Um, and those pulled beneath the surface 
um, sink endlessly uh, in the water until drowned, uh, because the the flood uh, the flood waters of the Sea of Shadows has no have have no deeps, um, mm. and necromancers can summon uh, uh, undead behemoths uh, from from the underworld. Um, and, and we, ha- we actually have a fully statted behemoth in the, the uh, antagonist chapter, uh, as well as a couple of, couple of other suggestions along with a spell for um, undead horrors that you could summon. There's a lot of cool stuff in necromancy. So what else do we have that could be a, a cool mechanic for other exalts in uh, Exalted Abyssals? Uh, so we have a couple of new martial arts. Um, we have an update to Hungry Ghost style. Uh, where the martial artist empowers their lower soul um, to become primally uh, 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 furious and, and drive their violent fighting style. Uh, we also introduce a new sidereal martial art. Sidereal martial arts are kind of the, the next level up of enlightened martial arts. Previously, only the sidereal exalted uh, kind of knew these secrets. Um, but uh, the bishop... Uh, one of the Death Lords um, has perfected his own uh, sidereal martial arts style called the Albicant Sepulcher of Extinction style. Um, this style uses staves, scythes, and, and wide sweeping attacks, uh, and the martial artist manifests um, slabs of funerary marble um, and wounds the world, manifesting as blood rain when, when they kill um, their enemies. Um, so that's, that's a fun one, uh, totally new for, for this edition. And we've got, as for most of the, the big exalted books, uh, a whole bunch of new artifacts. In this case, they're all soul steel artifacts. Uh, so they are definitely abyssal flavored. Um, but mm. in theory, any exalt type could, could wield them. Um, a couple of personal favorites are, are Nyraxes, which is a, a lantern that was made from a fragment of a failed underworld sun, uh, whose light reveals treachery, um, and it can absorb souls and then use those souls for various things. Um, and the other one is the Ravenous Throne, uh, which is a, a battle throne, uh, for, for an abyssal to ride, uh, made from, uh, the chains of a, of a ghost called a Rantai which is kind of a, a, it is a ghost that shreds other ghosts and adds links to its chains. Um, and an abyssal uh, took one of them and twisted it into the shape of a chair. So you've got these uh, almost centipede or spider-like chain legs on the bottom of this of this throne. Um, and it, it will walk around and, and attack on its own for you. It's, it's a very cool thing. Yeah. Oh man, that's that's awesome. That's awesome. I completely forgot about soul steel and the other uh, materials that were related to uh, to different exalted types. Um, yeah, the setting's awesome. There's a lot of really cool stuff and great great thought that's gone into it over the years. Speaking of really cool stuff, great segue. Thank you there. The Kickstarter is coming soon, or by the time this posts, it may already be out. Check Kickstarter. Uh, uh, actually, don't us- check Kickstarter. This one's going to be on Indiegogo. The what we call that? The campaign is coming out any minute now. It might already be out by the time you hear this. Check Indiegogo. Make sure. What can you tell us about stretch goals? So, like the other exalted uh, funding campaigns, we are we we already have the the content written for abyssals. That's ready to go. As you back. Uh, as soon as you back, you'll get access to the backer preview content, and by the end of the campaign, um, the entire text, uh, which is fully playable, will be in your hands. So the stretch goals focus on adding content to a companion book. Uh, when uh, What we'll do is we'll have an Abyssal's companion book where... All of the premium backer rewards and and all of the cool stuff that we get to fund with stretch goals, uh, we'll, we'll make a second book uh, of abyssal content. Um, I mentioned that earlier. If you have a particular favorite abyssal, um, we have a bunch of other cool premium rewards as well to add. So, like if you want to pick a death lord to get a full write up, um, or if you want to invent a new underworld location and, and add that to exalted, um, we've got those kind of premium backer levels. From a stretch goal perspective. Uh, we'll add kind of more of everything that is in Abyssals. 
Um, we plan to add more to the underworld, uh, more about ghosts, more artifacts, uh, additional abyssal charms, uh, expanded information about necromancy. Uh, so if what you're hearing for abyssals sounds like it's your jam, there's going to be more of all of that in the companion book. Definitely sounds like my jam. So I look forward to the book and the companion book. Um, and actually something else that, that we're going to have as a stretch goal, uh, the last uh, couple of Exalted campaigns did not have a map, uh, but we are returning to having a map as one of the stretch goals uh, for Abyssals. So there will be a, a shiny new map of the Underworld uh, that, that comes along with, with this campaign. Oh man, I love maps. Yeah. Yeah, that's actually very tempting. That's really awesome. I, I say that surrounded by my Exalted maps from past campaigns. <laughs> <laughs> oh that's awesome Chaz I gotta say that your your excitement for Exalted is really uh it's really infectious I want to just sit down and and read through read through some Exalted books maybe maybe even pick up a second novel in that series and uh just dig into it uh, a bit further yeah it's it's a great setting it's a great setting yeah I have I like I said I've been so I, I've been playing Exalted since I think 2003 uh, a couple years after it initially came out uh, and have been it has been my favorite game to run since then. It is my favorite game to write for. Uh, I, I love the team that I work with, um, writing and developing the books. Um, we've kind of have our own little writer community, which is is everyone is collaborating to make make the books as good as they can be. Um, and and it like I mean, I I I, I am eternally excited about exalted but it, it's been such a such a big part of my life um and and i want to bring the excitement and joy that i get out of it to uh to others awesome yeah let's make this indiegogo campaign happen uh so we're definitely going to uh put links to that campaign in the show notes uh so that people can easily access it um i'll probably also edit this episode and uh make sure that i clarify that it's indiegogo and not kickstarter at the uh, beginning of the show so we make sure we get that uh, information out there as well um yeah really really awesome stuff uh Chaz, is there anything else um that uh you want to share like if people want to get in touch with you is there a, a good place to uh to message you or a, a good way to uh uh send you any uh you know just just like uh, general questions or anything like that Sure. So um, I am on a lot of discords. I'm on the Darker Days discord. I'm on the Onyx Path discord. I'm on the Exalted Fan Cord. And, and you can at me in, in any of those spaces if you have a question for me specifically. Um, I, many of the writers and developers say don't do that, um, but you are welcome to do, do so. Uh, if you do so politely and don't expect an immediate response, I will get to you. Um, I, I just can't promise to get there immediately. Um, in the shattered wasteland of the social media world, I, I have found myself over on Blue Sky as at President of Birds. Um, so I will post about additional projects that I'm, I'm doing uh, over there. That's probably the best place to, to follow me on, on social media these days. Um, and, and, hmm that is that is probably the best those are probably the easiest ways to get to me is either discord or, or blue sky <laughs> yeah understood i'm pretty much uh my social media footprint is basically zero <laughs> at the moment it's basically discord and uh uh linkedin i guess you could you could <laughs> message me on linkedin i'll get back to you in uh, nine months yep <laughs> um i i think i i think um you mentioned old gods of appalachia earlier and, and one of the things i said in their newest season was that um, we could join them in standing upon the, the the corpse of the thing that was once called Twitter and screaming into the void, uh, which which is is pretty a pretty great summation of so social media these days. Absolutely, absolutely, and uh, we are of course uh, Darker Days Radio. Uh, we do have a bunch of social media. You can go to the link tree, link tree slash Darker Days Radio to find all the social media. Um, you know, Facebook, Twitter. I, we're on blue sky now i think there's a threads there's tumblr and if you message those things uh chris will probably get back to you because i don't have an account anymore but uh yeah uh what a fun episode really great uh chaz to have you here on the show uh again because you were uh, uh we interviewed you at uh pax unplugged in the before times ago, i think four 
in the before times four years ago yeah and uh that was uh that was awesome really hope to have you on uh in the future as well you know your uh your writing uh, uh has, has really expanded you know since then and uh you know talking about trinity chronicles of darkness all that kind of good stuff could be uh, pretty cool in the future as well and of course anything for exalted i think we'd be uh pretty happy to talk about too yeah I, I, i'm happy to come back and talk exalted like anytime awesome and uh i think that's it for this show and to all the listeners out there take it easy and have a good night stay safe out there everyone This has been an episode of Darker Days Radio. Special thanks to Occam's Laser for the intro, outro, and new bumper music from their hit album, Nine Circles. Check out the rest of their work at occamslaser.bandcamp.com. Occam's Laser.